Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. In Scripture, it says that Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw God, and he saw Jesus standing next to his father, looking at him, which was confirmation that in this moment when Stephen is dying, he saw Jesus. And that was exactly what I needed to hear so that I could know that when whatever was happening to Molly, that she knew that he was with her. And that in an instant, from the moment she was alive to the moment she died, she was in the arms of Jesus. And and that's what I carried with me to help quiet the fears that would come up in my mind. She wasn't alone. He was with her in that moment, and she has been with him ever since that moment. Doxology Bible Church is proud to present EverStory, launching wherever you listen to podcasts on June 6th. EverStory is a weekly, seasonal podcast featuring Christ-centered stories of hope and transformation, told by people just like you. No chit-chat, just raw, powerful stories. Stories inspire us to connect with each other in real, tangible ways. With stories, we're able to glorify a God who relentlessly pursues us. Mark 16:15 tells us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Stories embody who we are as Christians. Without them, Paul's letters would have never been shared. Without stories, a person with Christ in their heart might never find the courage to bring the word to their neighbor. Without stories, the Great Commission never occurs. Check in with us often as we introduce stories about the way Jesus' radical love is moving in truly awesome ways. Find EverStory wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow Doxology Bible Church on Facebook or Instagram at Doxology Bible. Want to share your story or know someone who might? Send us an email to stories at doxology.church. Because everyone has a story. Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. It's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. Well, good morning, Doxology. Hey, it's great to see you this morning. I'll tell you, I'm really looking forward to getting to mean that literally next Sunday. A bunch of us are going to get to gather in person for the first time in more than two months, weather permitting, in our parking lot here at Doxology next week. Make sure you RSVP for that. You can go to doxology.church for more information on that if you didn't get the announcement about what it was going to look like this week. And then 
June 14th. After a ton of prayer and preparation, June 14 is when we're planning, as long as nothing changes between now and then, to add our first in-building gathering to the options you've currently got for worshiping. Now, it'll need to look a little different for a while. It'll be sanitary and spaced out and in full compliance with recommendations from our government and medical advisors. Lots more information on all of that coming. I just couldn't wait to tell you today. Now, everybody's not going to be ready for that. I totally get that. In fact, some of us shouldn't be ready for that. That's why we'll continue to say worship at home, worship in community, or worship in person. And from our end, we're going to work to make sure all three of those environments are great. You just choose the one that's wisest for you each week. Just don't choose none of them, okay? It's important for us to stay together even while we're scattered for now. But I can't wait to see you as soon as I can. If you got a Bible this morning, start making your way to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 is where we're going to be today as we continue looking through this letter that we said last week was written by one of the very first leaders of the very first church when the church he led that used to gather got scattered by the circumstances outside of all of their control. I don't know, it just seemed relevant. James writes this letter to cast some vision for how to live in the middle of a circumstance so that when you get to the other side of the circumstance, you get back to anything but normal, just in all the right ways, which is what we say we all want. I mean, we don't want to get back to the old normal. When the old normal was normal, we wanted anything but normal. We want this season to propel us into anything but normal, just in all the right ways. So last week, we started talking about the pressure we're under, the tension that we feel, and it comes from outside us and from inside us. James says we have to learn to recognize both kinds of tension creators so we know what to do with them, so we can leverage them to develop us rather than allowing them to destroy us. And James encourages us, don't just look for a life that's free from pressure. Look for a life that's free under pressure. Remember, you don't go to the gym or Camp Gladiator or CrossFit, whatever you do. You don't go and think, I'm going to work out really hard today. So when I leave, I don't ever have to pick up anything heavy again. We embrace the tension or the pressure so that the pressure doesn't feel like pressure after a while. That's why most of us go to the gym. We go to get strong. But actually, it occurs to me, and it seems like it occurs to James, There is one other reason some people seem to go to the gym. They don't go to get strong. (laughs) They go to get muscles. And that's different. You know those people? Okay, if they're sitting next to you, wherever you're at, just shake your head no. No, I don't know any of those people. This illustration is going to be totally lost on me. Okay, just hang with me. My favorite group of people to watch at the gym are the grunters. And every gym has them. It's the huge, beefy-looking guy, the muscled-up girl who spend about 10% of their time in the gym lifting weights. And you always know when they're lifting weights because they make sure you hear them lifting weights. They're grunters, right? 10% of their time lifting weights. The other 90% of their time checking things out in the mirror and walking it out around the gym. Okay, have you ever seen this? All right, I'm not hating on the grunters. Okay, grunters, please don't beat me up. But here's the point. I don't get it. I mean, that amount of muscle isn't functional. 
There's not an outlet for that kind of muscle. There doesn't really seem to be a purpose for that much muscle. It seems to me the whole purpose of getting that big and bulked up is so a person can be impressive when they strut around the gym and stare at themselves in the mirror. Here's where James is going to take us this morning as he continues to talk about using the tension creators in our life to develop us. The point of tension creators isn't spiritual muscle. It's spiritual strength. And those are two totally different things. Here's what James is going to say this week to a church that's scattered under tension and under pressure. God's desire is not just for us to look good when we strut around the church and flex for our Christian friends. His desire is for us to develop and display spiritual strength that we carry into a world under pressure wherever we're sent as we go. Well, how do I know if that's what's happening with me? James is going to give us three things to look for in our life. Look at the first one. James chapter 1, beginning verse 19. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. James says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, okay, how many of us? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not achieve the righteousness that God desires. Okay, the first way to tell if you're developing spiritual strength rather than just muscle is to look at your reactions, your reactions. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. All right, that's not normal, is it? What's normal? Normal is when we're under pressure or tension with our kids or with our spouse, with our neighbors, our bosses, our parents, our employees, when we're quick to speak and quick to emotion and quick to flex our muscles. That's normal. All right, kids, you guys Dude Perfect fans? I I love Dude Perfect. Adults, are you Dude Perfect fans? I love it. But do you know the rage monster? The rage monster is normal, isn't it? When you're under pressure, that's how muscle responds to trials. It flexes. Quick words, strong emotion. That's the default setting in our world's normal. And all of us who have seen the rage monster on Dude Perfect... We're seeing the raid monster in our marriage or in our parenting, on our social media. We know the rage monster, normal, is never productive. It's always destructive. It only adds new tension to the tension it was reacting to in the first place. We see that in everybody else, but come on. When the pressure comes for us, most of us, we're awfully normal. James says flexing under pressure doesn't demonstrate strength. It just shows muscle. And God wants better for you than that. And he wants better for the people he's sending you to than that. Do you see that in verse 20? It says, human anger doesn't achieve the righteousness that God desires. Flexing may look good to you in the mirror. You may get likes and retweets when you're quick to speak and quick with emotion. But heaven, James says, is not impressed with our flex. Even when we're on the right side of the argument. James says God's plan is not achieved or advanced when his people are wrong being right. Especially 
in a world under pressure. And I am so bad at that. How do I fix it? James says, be quick to listen. And when you read that, you're supposed to think, wait, what? Listening doesn't happen quickly. Listen happenings, it, it happens slowly. James would say, right, I'm a communicator. If I just said, listen slowly, be slow to speak and slow to anger, you wouldn't have remembered it. So be quick to listen. James says, when you face trials and temptations of many kinds, you got lots of opportunities where you'll either flex or show real strength. Slow down. Seek to understand before being understood. Listen well. It only takes muscle to flex. It takes strength to slow down under pressure, to pay attention. James says, pay attention to your reaction. There's a second thing. He goes on. Verse 22. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's sort of the big point of this whole section, isn't it? Don't just flex. Do something with what you're developing. Look at verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. Write down the word remember. Remember. Now, James is doing something really specific here. When he talks about the word, don't just listen to the word, do what it says. If you grew up in church and you heard this passage taught, you might just automatically think the word means the Bible. Don't just listen to the Bible, do what the Bible says. And that's included in what James is saying, but he's actually talking about something even more specific than that. Verse 18, he talks about the word through which God gave us new birth. In verse 21, he talks about the word that has the power to save you. He's talking specifically about what the Christ followers call the gospel, the good news. It's the specific story that the whole Bible story points to. Here it is. You and I were separated from God. We're enemies of God. We tried to rip control of our life away from the one who gave us life to begin with. And we've said this before, when you separate yourself from life support, doesn't really matter if you're a lot disconnected or just a little disconnected from life support. If you're disconnected, you're dead. The Bible says that's all of our spiritual story. And yet, because he loved us, God sent Jesus to rescue us, to take our death and to give us a new life, new identity, new power and purpose and hope and forgiveness for sin in him. The Bible calls that the gospel, the good news. And if that good news hasn't been applied to your life yet, it can be in this very moment. It's as simple as telling God in your own words, right where you sit, I believe Jesus came to rescue me and give me life and I'm trusting him with me today. And if that's you, James says all those things are true about you instantly. Forgiveness, Life, hope, identity, new birth. You move from being God's enemy to a part of God's family. His presence and his power are yours in this moment and on for forever. James believes that the people that he's writing to have received that word just like I hope you have. But here's what James is saying. The presence of trials and temptation when you're scattered can cause you to forget. But on the other hand, 
Trials and temptations, many kind, provide perfect opportunities to actually live out and live into this message of Jesus personally every day. Not just to listen to it, believe it one time and get over it, on with your life. This is a time more than ever, James says, that you and I need the good news applied individually to our lives every single day, not just on Sunday. And do you notice the parallel there in James 1? He says at the beginning of this section, be quick to listen. When he gets there to verse 22, four different times he says, if all you do is listen, if the word ever goes, only goes in your ears, but it doesn't make its way into the way your life gets lived, you'll be a good news person who lives a bad news story. And that's a bad way to live in a bad news world. In fact, I love the illustration that James uses here. He says, the person that listens to the word but doesn't ever live in light of it, it's like the guy who goes and stands in front of a mirror. Okay, now think about what a mirror does. It just reveals what's true of us, good or bad, just what is what it is. And James says, the guy who just listens to what the gospel says about him, but who doesn't look any different in front of other people, is like the guy who looks at himself in a mirror. And it's not just a glance at a mirror. The Greek word here for, is, is for a prolonged stare in the mirror. It's the guy who checks himself in the mirror. And sucks in his gut. Poses like Atlas, you know. I'm your huckleberry. Pays really close attention to what he sees. And then walks away. And can't pick himself out of a police lineup. All right, kids, it's like me staring at myself in the mirror. And then walking away asking you if I can borrow a comb. Because I'd forgotten. I don't need a comb. My clear hair always looks just fine. Okay, here's what James says happens to us. We show up to a moment like this one we're in right now. For a few minutes, we slow down. We listen to the word again. We're forgiven. We're free. We have hope. God's presence and his power is with us and in us and his promise goes before us wherever we go. And we remember it and we go, yeah. And then we turn the TV off. We shut down the commuter. We realize there's tension waiting for us out there. Pressure, rigmarole, chaos. We listen, we walk away, we scatter. And immediately, James' word's not mine. We forget who we are. James says, God wants more for you than just to stand in front of the good news mirror on Sunday. And go, wow, that's impressive. And then walk away and forget who you are by Sunday afternoon. He's saying, come on, friends, every single day these days, we get a new and fresh reminder that we're not in control of the universe, but that we've been adopted by a father who is. We've got the chance to walk every step with him through an out of control world. Are you doing what the promise invites you to do? James says, if you want to leave free under pressure, you will. James says, during seasons like this, you get everyday opportunities to remember who you are. Not just to listen to it, to put it into practice. And that's where strength shows. And it especially matters when we're scattered. See, in seasons like this, if we're just developing spiritual muscle, our tendency is going to be to have short memories. To keep coming back to the mirror every single Sunday going, oh yeah, I forgot. In Christ, I look awesome. 
But when we're leveraging the tension to develop strength for every single day, we find the truth of who we are beginning to show up more and more frequently in our lives every day. And it affects how we think and how we live and the way we show up everywhere we're sent, even while we're scattered. Second thing is remember, last thing. If you want to know whether or not you're developing strength or just muscle, James says, look at your responsiveness. Your reactions, what you remember, and lastly, your responsiveness. Look at verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James says those who consider themselves religious, now we don't really like the word religious. Think devoted. Okay, it literally means God-saturated. Okay, there's a picture, huh? But to stay with our illustration, you might also translate it, those who consider themselves spiritually ripped. James says, if you consider yourself spiritually strong, but your strength has no effect on the things that come out of your mouth, you may have muscle, but you don't have strength. If what's true of your heart is in conflict with what's coming out of your mouth, what's showing in your life, it doesn't matter how much you know or how good your flex is, so to speak. What you consider strength is really just wasted muscle. James says, your religion is, It's worthless. Looks good to you in the mirror, but it accomplishes nothing at the end of the day. What does it look like when strength emerges from trials and tribulations and tension and pressure? Well, James says it's not just the kind of strength that struts and flexes for itself in the mirror. It's the kind of strength that goes to work in the places of weaknesses all around it. Notice James uses the illustration of orphans and widows in their distress. You know what that word distress means? It literally means to press or to squash. When you're under pressure yourself, the trials of many kinds, and you see people near you who are squashed, muscle flexes, strength responds. James talks about two groups, talks about orphans and widows. In James' day, those were the two of the most vulnerable kinds of people you would see in society, but also a huge part of the population. So there was an orphan or a widow within reach of every single person James was writing to, even though they were scattered. And here's the thing about orphans and widows in distress. Both of them find themselves empty-handed. They don't have the ability to provide something in return for your strength. In fact, to meet their need, it's going to call for something from you. You can expect nothing in return from them. Think about orphans and widows and their distress is that they look a lot like you and me looked when Jesus responded to us. James says, you want to know if you're developing strength under pressure or if you just got muscle to flex? When the people near us not just near us as an institution, us who are scattered. When people within our reach are being squashed and squeezed under the pressure, when they start looking for someone to stand in the gap without asking for something in return, do they find us there to respond? Or, again, James's illustration, do they just find us busy flexing and strutting and posing for each other 
unable or unwilling to use the strength we're developing for any purpose other than for show. Strength responds, it shows up, and it's anything but normal in all the right ways. Can I give you a real life example of somebody that's getting this right right now? Okay, listen, doxology, these are happening all over this city these days because of you. So many of you are already living this way as we're scattered. It's one of the 9 billion reasons I love that my family gets to be a part of this church. Okay, I'm telling you this one story, but I have about 10 to pick from just this week about a family who's living the way we're talking about today. All right, the mom works at a hospital. She said she's been so blown away by the way she's been loved that she was praying one morning that God would give her a chance to be generous back. Like, isn't that a doxology posture already? And on a whim, as she drove by a nursing home, she called him. When the lady picked up the phone, this doxology person said, what do you need right now? And the lady's voice broke with emotion. She said, well, snacks, something to encourage our staff and puzzles and games for the residents. They're bored, they're lonely. This lady from doxology said, are you gonna be there a minute? She ordered pizza for all their staff and then she and her son turned into the dollar store. They were passing at that very moment. They masked up. They started shopping for magazines and puzzles and games. They found a card. They wrote some encouragement in it. They pulled up to the nursing home. They called the lady to come outside and greet them. This doxology person said, hey, I just wanted to drop this off. Can I pray for you before I go? Later that day, the lady at the nursing home texted her and said, hey, I think God sent you to me today. I wasn't even supposed to be working, but I needed to meet you. This doxology person works at a hospital. She's got a family. You think she's under some pressure these days? Under pressure, she said, hey, I'm free under pressure to shoulder some pressure for somebody else, even if it costs me an hour and some cash for pizza and puzzles. That's not normal in all the right ways. James says, you don't have to do that, but do something. Slow down, listen well. Remember who you are wherever you go. Keep your eyes open for people near you who are being squeezed and stand in the gap for them. Don't be normal this week. Be anything but normal in all the right ways. Let's pray. Father, in a world full of people who flex, would you let us be strong? Would you let us be quick to listen? Would you let us be people who remember who we are? And would you let us be quick to stand in the gap for the people near us who need us to show them and tell them who you are and what you're like wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church.